Tonight I want to have an unpleasant talk with you about a problem that's unprecedented in our history. With the exception of preventing war, this is the greatest challenge that our country will face during our lifetime. This is President Jimmy Carter in 1973. That year, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, also known as OPEC, decided to stop exporting oil to the United States. A decision that quadrupled oil prices and gave the U.S. no choice than to think differently about its energy use. The energy crisis has not yet overwhelmed us, but it will. Our decision about energy will test the character of the American people and the ability of the President and the Congress to govern this nation. This difficult effort will be the moral equivalent of war, except that we will be uniting our efforts to build and not to destroy. Around the time President Carter gave this address, Amory Lovins published an article that would change the way we think about energy use. Most energy conversations are about increasing supply. They're not about using energy more productively. But our greater challenge is in the megawatts, in, in rapidly expanding energy savings. Because in 2010 to 16, their growth saved four times as much global carbon as the total growth in renewables plus nuclear power. Lovins advocated that the cheapest, cleanest unit of energy is the energy we don't use, and he called this the megawatt, a negative megawatt that represents the amount of megawatt power saved by increasing energy efficiency or reducing consumption. Energy is invisible, and the energy you don't use is almost unimaginable. Yet saved energy is even more important it's now bigger worldwide than oil, and it keeps on expanding. Welcome to Mud Season, a Vermont podcast that cuts through the mud. I'm your host, Leah Kelleher, and in this episode, we explore the story of Vermont's efficiency utility, the first utility of its kind in the United States. Throughout the podcast, we'll be answering questions like, how did Efficiency Vermont get its start? And what is the future of efficiency in our state? I spoke to Beth Sachs and Scudder Parker to find out. My mother lived in a row house in Baltimore. And row houses are tall and skinny, like one room on each floor, one or two. So winter all year round in Baltimore, which is hot and cold, it was too hot on the top floor and too cold on the bottom floor. And there was nobody that she could call that wasn't trying to sell her a heating system or an HVAC system. And we realized there's no service in the country that we know of where you can go and, and ask people to help you who have no vested interest in which equipment, which fuel source, which energy source, that that's what people needed. That is Beth Sachs. She, along with her husband, Blair Hamilton, founded the Vermont Energy Investment Corporation, also known as VEIC, in 1986. Sachs was working in Montana at the National Center for Appropriate Technology when President Carter declared the energy crisis. Amory Lovins' article, combined with the earliest inklings of climate change from environmentalists like Bill McKibben, was enough to convince Sachs that energy efficiency was important, if not essential. That's what really motivated me, was, was both of those things. The economics of efficiency and the threat of climate change. 
because of Jimmy Carter, people were getting free energy audits. That was the thing that the government was doing. But audits don't save any energy. Clearly, the U.S. government was not doing enough to tackle the energy crisis. After moving to Vermont in the late 70s, Sachs started a nonprofit consulting firm called the Memphis Magog Group. I called 100 people around the state of Vermont when I got here, and, and I had their audits in front of me. And I said, so uh, have you done this, 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 and this? And they all said, no, 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 no. You know, until you get down to the bottom and they said, yeah, we turn our lights off and we leave a room. With those hundred phone calls, we had a pretty good sense of why people weren't doing energy efficiency. It was because there was lack of access to capital. There was lack of access to reliable information that was unbiased, and it was just a hassle. There were also energy efficiency skeptics. When I first moved to Burlington and went to one of the first progressive meetings, I started, no one was talking about energy efficiency. And I, so I talked about it and some guy got up and said, that's a bunch of hippie shit. <laughs> so that's really, at the time, that was still people's reactions. But not everyone shared the sentiment. Conversations about electrical efficiency were contentious but productive in the Vermont legislature. One of the key players in this was Scudder Parker. I'm Scudder Parker, and I'm now retired from a number of different careers, some in politics, some in regulation, and some in consulting related to energy issues, energy efficiency and renewable energy and energy policy more broadly. When I was in the legislature as a state senator in the 80s, the idea that we might be able to use the end use efficiency of a light bulb or of a heating system or of uh, refrigerators or things that used a lot of electricity as a resource instead of building new power plants was the big new idea. The regulators at the time basically opened a proceeding in which they investigated how much could efficiency be a resource for Vermont and then ordered Vermont utilities to initiate energy efficiency programs to help their customers be more efficient. And the Department of Public Service, where I went to work after being in the legislature, regulated that activity and tried to coordinate and promote it. But efficiency programs run by utilities were not effective because they were biased and lacked efficiency expertise. Utilities thought of themselves as people who sell electricity to customers, and you're very helpfully telling us to help our customers use less which means we have problems with less revenue. Um, it's sort of not our mission. And so over a period of time in which utilities tried to do these programs, I finally came to the conclusion with a number of other people that we should actually have one entity in the state that was somewhat separate from the utilities but fulfilled the utility's obligation to do efficiency, which had been established by the Public Service Board under this proceeding. It was about a three or four year period that we actually were trying to say, you know, it doesn't really make sense for the utilities to run these programs. 
we brought it up in rate cases. We brought it up in proceedings reviewing the efficiency programs that utilities were running. It was actually a very contentious time. We were arguing over whether they should recover the costs of what we thought was a poorly run program, and the utilities were being, you know, felt attacked and were being defensive. The utilities actually were spending so much time in litigation over these programs and other things that they decided they didn't really want to do the efficiency programs anymore. So eventually we reached a compromise in which we said, we'll stop beating you up for running bad programs and won't go back and try to punish you for failures in the past. If you agree to give up this job and turn it over to another entity that will be regulated by the public service board through a contract with an entity that will then deliver these services. This transfer of responsibility was the creation of an efficiency utility in 1999. Legislature passed the bill and then the public service board was, was charged with creating the utility. And that's where all the negotiations happened. When we were bidding to win the contract, we were bidding on how many megawatts of electricity we would save. You know, it wasn't pie in the sky. It was like, okay, you know, if we're going to charge ratepayers for this, you better deliver these megawatt hours because otherwise we're not going to have enough electricity to serve the whole state. There were only two finalists in the first round of bidding. There were two gentlemen who came in with briefcases and suits, did their interview. Then we came in, 25 of us, with, like, we were born to do this. <laughs> Completely filled the boardroom. In the end, Beth Sachs and the rest of the VEIC team won the contract. From there, they began to create the nation's first energy efficiency utility that became what we know as Efficiency Vermont. It was a performance contract. You had to meet certain savings goals and the rules for what you could count as savings were determined. And that was pretty innovative at the time. That was... Um, remarkably uh, focused on success rather than just saying, here's a good idea, spend some money on it, and we'll see what happens. No, it had never been done. There was no, really, the idea of an efficiency utility was brand new. In many ways, Efficiency Vermont has been a huge success. In the 18 years following its conception, Efficiency Vermont has saved 17.7 million megawatts of electricity. To put that in perspective, one megawatt hour is about equivalent to the amount of electricity used to power 330 homes for an hour. That's a lot of electricity and money saved, $2.4 billion to be precise. These savings not only help business owners, but also low-income Vermonters who struggle to pay lofty electricity bills. But there is still room for improvement and expansion. One of the failings of the program, if you can call it that, in the long run, was that it was all focused on electricity and natural gas, because we did it for natural gas as well, because they were the other regulated entity. But oil and propane and wood, of course, not regulated in the same way in any measure comparable to the way electricity is. And so it's always been a struggle when you go into a house, people want help with their electricity, but they want help with their oil bill or their, you know, propane bill as well. And 
So over the t years, it's been a efficiency is really a kind of whole building activity, not just an electricity activity. And so struggling, one of the things they still struggle with is how do you use an efficiency program to do whole house efficiency? And how do you adapt the efficiency program to support renewable energy, which it wasn't chartered to do at the beginning? But now the legislature is really interested in looking at expanding it to thermal. The limitation by electric ratepayers is it's artificial. We need to just find a way around it. Parker and Sachs also believe that energy efficiency is no longer just about saving money. It's about saving our planet. And I think the challenge Vermont faces now is with climate change being the overwhelming challenge, which it wasn't clearly at the time. Um, it was, you know, electric efficiency and rates and not building more power plants. But now, with climate change being a really impending crisis, how do you consider efficiency and climate issues as a major driver? And I think you need to rethink the system the way we did at that time in a way that says, how can we take advantage of all these opportunities? Part of rethinking the system could be expanding the efficiency utility outside of homes and onto roads. After all, transportation is the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions in Vermont. So increasing energy efficiency in everything we do, while also relying on renewable energy resources instead of fossil fuels, are important steps towards combating our climate crisis. Scudder Parker has thought a lot about this and thinks that all of it will require a restructuring of how energy efficiency works in Vermont and the rest of the country. I think it's time to build on what we've learned and to rethink the structure of incentives that are out there. And I would say you could reward utilities for helping to reach the climate goals that Vermont is very great at setting. I mean, we've got wonderful goals and objectives. You know, I don't, I can't even remember the details, but they're all good. They all have to do with climate change. But we still regulate utilities in large part based on how much capital they have invested and how they earn a return on that capital. Why not re reward them for performance of efficiency or performance of climate change improvement, um, carbon discharge reduction. And actually, I think it might expand their mandate somewhat. What would be interesting about an incentive structure like that is you might have utilities in the legislature advocating for something that isn't directly in their interest but would advance their performance metrics. When we talk about the success of Efficiency Vermont and Vermont as a leader in energy efficiency, it's easy to forget that it has taken a long time to get here. People have forgotten how hard it was to do and how important the concept was. Now it's just, oh, it's Efficiency Vermont. They've been there forever and they're a big behemoth in the, in the field. But we weren't. We were just this little company nipping around at the heels of the utilities. And now that Efficiency Vermont has grown, it is perhaps time again to nip at the heels of energy corporations and expand the efficiency utility to other energy resources 
and rethink energy systems in ways that support energy justice and a greener planet. You have been listening to Mud Season, presented by the Center for Research on Vermont. Energy efficiency is more relevant now than it's ever been. The topic of this podcast may be discussed in the legislature this year. If you feel strongly about the content discussed in this episode, you can reach out to your Vermont representatives and join the conversation about energy efficiency in our state. The music you heard in this episode was by Chad Crouch and Blue Dot Sessions.